0: Enjoy the message. So we all have turning points, moments where we've had encounters with with God. I believe that's the reason why we're here. I believe that God has revealed himself somehow to us. And it was a turning point for us. And we just heard Nate share his turning point story. And today we're gonna be looking at another turning point story in the scriptures It's a dysfunctional family, that of King David's, and there's a lot of issues there. I don't know if you guys can relate. Sometimes we can have dysfunction that is at one level, and then there's like next level dysfunctions that when we tell other people about what our life was like and our upbringing and what our families were like, it kind of leaves them shocked that we somehow made it through that. Someone in the Bible by the name of David had such a great story, but he was such a. He had a really hard time being a good husband and a good dad. He had a lot of victories in his life, but let's just say managing his household wasn't one of them. In fact, God saw a lot of good in David and called him someone who was after his own heart, but yet saw also all of his misgivings and saw all of his shortcomings and didn't. Hold back when it came to telling his story. In fact, when we look at the story of David and his life, we can see there are so many parts that can really speak to the dysfunction that he lived and can somehow can also relate to maybe some of the things that we've gone through or things that we've lived and the things that maybe we're struggling with today. And we think of how we can sometimes just connect with people and sometimes we connect because we feel like there's enough similarity in our upbringing and maybe in our stories and maybe even in our traumas that can kind of bind us, bring us closer together. And sometimes when we see someone who hasn't gone through the things that we've gone through, we can sometimes just feel like there isn't a connection there. But if someone has gone through a similar tragedy, has experienced a similar trauma, we can sometimes say, this person gets me and we can sometimes like just not only take them into our lives um, through friendship but we can sometimes even just feel like they're a bit better fit for us relationship wise and it, it always surprises me that we sometimes would rather bond over trauma than we would bond over health and we've got to look out for that because we may all have this tendency deeply rooted within us that without even realizing we're we're choosing people to do life with that are just as broken as we are in certain ways in certain places. And, and instead of things getting better for us, they, they, they well, they're, they're, they're just, let me just put it, they're just not getting better. Instead of things being different, It's more of the same. And we sometimes just don't realize that maybe this is a big reason for that. Well, I want to talk to you about how we can avert these tragic outcomes. And one of David's sons, his name is Absalom. The Bible describes him as as an extraordinary individual. Incredibly talented, extremely handsome, good-looking. He was someone who was loved by his people, and yet he was in exile, in exile from his father. He was estranged from him because he had done something that had displeased his father, David. And even though he had sought justice and went about it his own way, his father couldn't agree with it, and so therefore he cast him out of the kingdom for two years. And for two years, he was not able to come back and... He didn't have any conversations at all on any level with his father. And the scriptures tell us that this estranged relationship began to really wreak havoc in Absalom's life to the point where the people who were against David started to side with Absalom. And Absalom created the environment for this to also happen. He did everything that he could to be the one who would be loved, and, and his father David be, would be the one who would be hated. And and a lot of that had to do with the way that he had not encountered justice towards his sister Tamar, and and the other was also because he had been rejected by his father so hard, wholeheartedly. And sometimes we, we find ourselves at a turning point because our life stops becoming about living a life of purpose and more about just finding ways to fulfill the purpose of revenge. And interestingly enough, that's what happens in Absalom's life. Without realizing it, every decision now is about making sure that he proves his father wrong and that he was right all along. Have you ever been motivated to prove someone wrong? Like, I mean, really, really motivated, where your life decisions were all about making sure that that person wasn't right. I, I almost became an architect because my teacher in grade 6 said I couldn't become one. Is <laughs> was that, that kind of thing. I remember going in high school and people would ask me, what do you want to become? And, like, and I thought about my teacher in grade six who said that I could never become an architect. And I thought, that's exactly what I want to be. Because, because they had motivated me in the wrong way. Have you ever, have you ever been challenged like that in your life? Or you just wanted to prove someone wrong. And, and sometimes it just guides and directs your life choices. I hate the fact that she was right. I'm not an architect today, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> And I'm glad that I came to my senses and figured out my own path instead of letting my path be determined by proving someone else wrong. But every decision that Absalom is making is all about him making sure that he's right. And the first thing that we have to avert if we want to avert a tragic outcome is... We can't believe our own hype. And there's something about that that can speak to all of us in one way or another. I know what you're thinking. Like, you may think about yourself, and you may think of yourself as someone who's humble, you know, someone who's temperate in their understanding of who they are and what they bring to the table, and you kind of like, don't think too highly of yourself. You've gone through enough in life where you kind of have figured out where where you stand in relation to things. But but what I've come to understand is is the opposite, to be true. I I believe every day we struggle with pride in ways that continue to surprise us. And that there's always a moment in which we think we're we're smarter, we're better, we're we're maybe better skilled at something than someone else. Maybe we've got a better answer and we we would have taken a, a, a better direction and made a better choice. we we look down on people who are doing certain things and say things like i would never do that myself and and believe it or not in those moments we are believing our own hype see there's ways of us believing our own hype in a way that that maybe isn't always that clear and that apparent uh, even to our own eyes and to our own heart and to our own understanding And, and that's exactly what happened to Absalom, because he kept hearing from the moment he was born how beautiful he was, and and he just believed it more than anything else. And the scriptures tell us that in 2 Samuel chapter 14 and in verse 25 and 26, it says that Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all of Israel. Isn't there a cover on People magazine for someone like that? I think so I think it's called the sexiest man alive if, if 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 there was such a thing as the sexiest man alive in Israel at that time Absalom would have been on the cover that's that's how beautiful he was and in verse 26 says something ridiculous it says that he only cut his hair only once a year and then only because it was so heavy When he weighed it out, it came to five pounds. Who weighs their hair? (laughs) After they cut it. (laughs) Tell me this guy's not buying into his own hype, right? Like that's next level vanity. Come on, you gotta agree. Next level vanity. He's weighing his hair. Like who cares how much it weighs? Like, why is that important? Well, it was important to Absalom, because he kept being praised for it. You ever get praised for something, and then, I don't know, it doesn't look as good as you start to get older? Doesn't that, like, really hurt? Maybe at some point, you were, you were praised for your looks, maybe praised for your hair, and then all of a sudden, you start to lose it, all, and all of a sudden, you're like, no! <laughs> The one thing I had going for me. <laughs> I think we can understand that sometimes when you're the best at something, you want to still be the best. It's like we, we want to live up to our hype. You know, we want to, we want to still be that person. Who was popular in high school when we go back to our reunion we want to see how badly everyone has failed in comparison to ourselves <laughs> we're not interested in their successes we just want them to see that the hype was real <laughs> <laughs> and so we we do these things and and you can see that in the scriptures here absalom was doing exactly that and then in first samuel sixteen seven, it says that but the lord said to samuel I don't want you to judge by anyone's appearance or height because I have rejected the candidates that you would have chosen to be king. Because the Lord doesn't see things in the way that you see them. People, they judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And what God is saying is that the thing that I care about most is what's happening on the inside. It's who you are when no one's looking. And even when others are praising you, are you able to take that praise and turn it back to me and give me the glory instead? You see, when we take the glory for ourselves, then that's our reward. But when we take... The glory that we receive from, from our peers and from those who acknowledge us and maybe show us honor and respect and, and, and who highlight something that we 've done that was extraordinary and we, and we just receive that and we don 't honor God with it and give it back to him and glorify him with it, then that is the only re- reward we receive. but when you bless God with the rewards you have and, and receive and the accolades you take and, and, and you acknowledge that you did something pretty cool, but you're only able to do it because, because God is the one who gifted you in the first place. That he's the one who gave you this honor to be able to carry it out. That the honor isn't yours, but it's his, and that you're just a steward and a manager of it. What God does is he looks at your heart and he says, this is a person that I wanna keep rewarding. This is a person that I want to give more to. I want to entrust more to them. I don't want that to be taken away. I want to give them more because when they receive it, they honor me with it. See, I I want to avert tragic outcomes by not believing my own hype. I want to give glory to God in all instances, and I want to make sure that my heart always aligns with His, that I'm thinking more about honoring Him than having myself honored. You See, when we live like that, God says, you're a person I want to bless. You're a person I want to reward. You're a person I want to trust with more. I want to give you this, and I want to give you that, and I want to give you so much more than even whatever it is that you can even... Think or imagine, whatever it is that you think you can ask me and you think it's too big, I want you to know that my heart and my desire is to give you even more than that. Why? Because whenever the opportunity comes for you to receive that praise as your reward, you take it and you give it back to me instead because you acknowledge that I'm the source of all good things that are beautiful in your life. And I want you to keep experiencing that. See, God wants to give you those beautiful things because you are beautiful to the Lord. There's no one that is more beautiful to Him than you are. You see, you mean everything to God, like you are the only person in the room at all times. And He can do that with each of us. He has the power and the ability to love all of us that powerfully that equally. And so all we have to do is just not believe our hype. The second thing that Absalom did was that he believed that his freedom was always free from morality. During the time in which Absalom was unable to be near his father and was living in exile, the scriptures tell us in 2 Samuel chapter 14 verse 28 to 30. That Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. And Absalom sent for Joab. And Joab was, was David's um, closest friend and, and military advisor in general. He was the guy that, that, that uh, David really leaned on and trusted and believed in. And he knew that if he could get to Joab, Joab could, could get to his father. And, and so what he's trying to do is get Joab's attention. But, but Joab refuses to listen to anything that Absalom has to say because he's honoring David. He's honoring the king. And so Absalom sends for Joab and and he asks him to intercede for him, but Joab just refuses to come. And then Absalom sent for him a second time, but then Joab refused to come. Now, one of the worst things in life is when someone reads your text message and doesn't respond. <laughs> I, I've done it to people and I am sorry for that. It is one of the deadly sins, I know. <laughs> that, that's the eighth deadly sin, that, there's seven, but there's an eighth one and it's, and it's not responding to text messages. And, and, it, and it's worse when, when the bubbles appear, and then they disappear, and then you wonder why? <laughs> what happened? You were going to answer, and then you chose not to answer. And then you, you know this person is editing themselves, right? Like they're, they're either coming up with an excuse, or a reason, or they're trying to figure something out, like that they, they're about to send it and they delete it, you know there's more to it than, than just what meets the eye. I, I'm getting too riled up about this, I know. But. but when you ask for an audience and that audience is refused, doesn't that hurt, bother you? When you have a plan and you have a purpose and you, you've got something figured out and you know that if, the, if this could just fall into place, it would just work out the way that you need it to, you know that it would work out great for you. All you need is for this contact to come through. This person holds the keys to your success. I mean, them answering means that the doors open. It means that the opportunity lies behind that. It means that you finally get the success that you've been yearning for. And, and sometimes we just think of life that way. We think that if I only knew a Joab, and if only Joab could come, if only he could hear me pitch my thing, then surely I would have success. And you see, when we think like this, we're, we're already corrupted in our mind because what we think is that we can manipulate outcomes and still be successful. You can manipulate Outcomes and have success But that doesn't make you successful And what happens in this story is that, is that Joab Refuses to come because He's going to be loyal to David Not to Absalom He's not going to fall into his trap And into his trappings And so look at what David does Look at the extent that he goes to He says that Absalom said to his servants Because he hadn't come the second time I want you to go and set fire to Joab's barley field. It is the field next to mine. And so they set his field on fire as Absalom had commanded. Absalom believes that he's under uh, a measure of protection. He's the king's son. He's in exile. He's estranged from the king, but he still has power. He's the king's son. And he knows that if he burns his field, Joab can't do a thing about it. Did you ever gaslight someone? Like, just set them on fire? You just let them into a trap? And you did it knowing it all along that it was to accomplish your own outcome? That's exactly what Absalom does in this situation. He he gaslights Joab's life. And he succeeds because Joab goes to the king and he says, That rotten son of yours just lit my field on fire. You've got to do something about this. And guess what? It works. Absalom gets to come back. And David says, because of how you did it, I'm still not going to talk to you. But you get to come back because you hurt my friend, Joab. And so God allows this situation to continue. And he allows it to continue because Absalon is a lesson in how the outcome always justifies the means. It doesn't matter how you succeed. It doesn't matter who you have to climb over to get to your success. It doesn't matter what you did to win. It doesn't matter what you did to have that extra money. It doesn't matter what you did to get that contract. It doesn't mean that you did it all wrong but you did enough wrong where you know it was wrong enough but the outcome justified the means because we live in a world in which This is how the world operates. This is how everybody does business. This is how everybody makes choices. And if you make them differently than everybody else, then that just means that you're gonna be the person who's always gonna be left out of the equation of what it means to be successful. Others will get ahead. Others will have success. Others will succeed, but it won't be you because you just won't play by the world's rules. And we believe that And that's exactly what happened to Absalom. Because guess what? He set a guy's field on fire, and what happened? The king let him come back home. It worked. And so because it works, doesn't that sometimes motivate us to keep doing the same thing? Because it was successful, because it turned out to be the right thing to do in the end. You see, if I hadn't done it this way, Well, then this wouldn't happen. And so we look at the outcome and we say, well, it doesn't matter how I did it. The outcome is what matters. And and that's how we allow our minds and hearts to be corrupted by the outcomes instead of doing that which is right. And God wants us to be so much better than that. Don't you want to be better than that? I don't want to be like everybody else. Even when the tendency is so strong and it's, it's so clear that I can be, it's the opportunity sitting right there, you know? I, I, I can just take it, seize it, just run with it, go with it, experience everything I need to have so that I can just have. But God is saying, no, there's, there's a way in which you can have. But let me be the one who guides you who blesses you and brings it into your life in a way that isn't detrimental to other people. Joab's field was still burnt. How is that a good outcome for Joab? See, when God blesses your life, other people don't suffer. Other people don't pay the price for your success. You don't get ahead at the expense of other people because that's not how God works god works in a way that you get to go ahead have success be blessed have more be more accomplish more and go on to accomplish even greater things as long as you take care of all the people in your life that you come across that god has put on your path as a test of your moral fiber and character and he puts you in a position where you can always make a choice where it can be At their expense but at your success and then he watches and waits to see what you're going to do and whenever you choose the outcome that is best for someone else and you serve them and you love them and you help them and you care about them and you worry about them and you pray for them and you make sure that they get ahead too then God looks at you and says this is a person I can bless with more success This is a person of moral and character fiber that is blessing the lives of those around him and around her and is someone that I want to get behind and I want them to go all the way and make a difference in this world like no one has ever seen before. Don't you want to be that person? Don't you want to be that person so that God can choose you? But you got to choose yourself to be that person so that he can choose you. And as we make those choices, then the Bible tells us that we have to live differently. Here's, here's another one I want to share with you. It's about living only by the advice that I like. Like, I, I, I'm always... Uh, You're pulled into the gravitational orbit of a person who agrees with me. Anybody else? (laughs) The more they agree with me, the more they align with me, the more I love them. Uh, The more I want to spend time with them. You know, I just just talk and I just hear them just, just repeating the same things back to me. I just love that. That's what I want. That's what I want. You know, I don't want I don't want disagreement. I don't want people to disagree with me. You know, I, I want people to just mirror me. That's it. Mirror my thinking, mirror my life, mirror the way that I make my choices, the way that I view the world, and the way that I view circumstances and situations, and the way that when I ask for advice, they're they're always telling me that that the that the, the battle already is won, that it's it's just ahead of me. That greater things are in store for me. The best is yet to come. That, that there's nothing I have to change. It's not me. It's them. It's, that's what I want to hear more of. Anybody else? Come on, think about it. The moment someone begins to disagree with us and push into us and test our theories and, and, and test our morality and then just challenge our character and, and, and look at our choices more profoundly and say, like, what is the motivation behind this? That's the moment we're like, what are you, what are you doing right now? Thought we were just going to hang out and have drinks. What's, what is this? Why does everything have to be an argument and a fight with you? Can't you just agree with me and let's get along? Right? Why, why, why does that happen? It happens because everybody has advisors in their life. Everybody has counselors and, and, and people that we go to and we turn to, people that we open up before, and, and people that we think have wisdom for life. But, but sometimes what they have is just more of what we already are, and, and they don't challenge anything. And they don't hear from God on, uh, and, and speak into our lives from the Scriptures because they don't know the Scriptures. Because they don't have any advice to give from the Scriptures. They have advice to give from TikTok, that's it. <laughs> There's this guy I follow. <laughs> There's this really amazing lady that she's told oh, every time she speak, speaks to my heart, oh, I'm gonna forward this to you. It's gonna change your life. <laughs> it can. Mainly not, but it can. <laughs> I, I, I always tell people, my, the only good things I have to say come from God's Word. The only wisdom I have to share is, is come from the Scriptures first. You don't want my wisdom. My wisdom is no good. My my life experience, the things that I've learned, yeah, I, can, I can tell you a few things, but it's not enough for you to go on. Does that make sense? Because your life is unique, you're, you're uniquely designed, and your purpose is, is just unique to itself. I, I, I can't speak into your life just from my life, but I, but I can speak from something higher, by which all things have to be compared to and discerned by, and judged and analyzed for, and that is the wisdom of God. And when we turn to the wisdom of God, it moves us beyond the advice that we like, and it moves us into a place where it's the advice that we need to live a life that is full. I want to live a life that's full. I want to live a life that's filled with meaning, that that leads me to better things, but more importantly, it leads me to a better version of myself. Anybody else want to be a better version of themselves? It's not just the better things I want. I believe, I believe I, I want those things just as much as you do but I also need I really desperately need to want to be a better person and God wants to help us be the better person so we he can help us to get the best experiences so in 2 Samuel Absalom you know he's he manages to to get control it's kind of crazy but he does and and the advisors of the king are starting to become his advisors and there's two opposing opinions and and in this story that we're in now um, david is kind of like he's getting ready for his coup he's he's going to take over he's going to take over control of the kingdom he's going to he's going to win a battle that doesn't even need to be fought because David doesn't want to fight it. But he's going to win it anyways, and he's getting advice on how to do it. And it's interesting because in verse 23, it says that Absalom followed Aphithophel's advice. And just as David had done, and every word that Aphithophel spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. Except there's a problem. Um, Aphithophel, for you guys that may not know this, is, is, is Bathsheba's grandfather. Now, the reason people are going, whoa, <laughs> is because they know the story that Bathsheba is, is the woman who David had an affair with and killed his husband so that he could take her as his wife and the advisor who speaks as though he's speaking from God finally gets his chance to stab David in the back, isn't that pretty crazy and so he gets the opportunity to now promote his son Absalom at the expense of David and he takes it, he seizes it And he tells him what to do. And he tells him two crazy things to do. We we can't get into it. It it would take too much time. But I want you to know that he's listening to the advice of of this man. Except that David had his own advisor, another man. And his name was Hushai. And Hushai remains faithful to David and, and, and when David leaves to go and hide in a cave again, even though he had already done that when he was being chased by Saul, he doesn't want to fight for the kingdom, doesn't want to fight for against Absalom. And David's the kind of guy that God wants me to be king, I'll still be king tomorrow. But I'm not gonna be the one who goes out and puts my own people against my own people when my king might be God's choice. When my son might be God's choice to be king. And so he decides to leave. And Hushai says, I'm going to come with you. And, and, and he says to Hushai, "Hushai, you can't come. I, you'd be of greater service to me if you stay behind. I, I don't know how God's going to use you, he says, but, but he says this in verse 14, then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, Hushai's advice is better than Aphithophel's, for the Lord had determined, look at this, to defeat the counsel of Aphithophel, which really was the better plan, so that he could bring disaster on Absalom. And I want you to see that even though everyone is behind Absalom, and the better plan is revealed to Absalom, David says, I am going to pray that somehow a fifth of El's advice is ignored by my son and that God would be in control instead. And, And I want you to imagine that sometimes we have wise people giving us advice but if God doesn't want your plan to succeed here's what's going to happen your plan is not going to succeed listen you could have the best counselors and the best plan but if God isn't in it guess what your plan will not succeed that's what this is saying who wants God in their plans who wants their plans to succeed I do I don't want to listen to good advice to wise counsel and then just simply just do the opposite of what God wants? I would rather do what God wants and succeed than listen to people and just get the wrong advice. Has anyone in this room ever, at any point, just gotten bad advice? (laughs) And I don't mean just from yourself. You know, I I, I can't trust my gut. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my gut, I just know this is right or this is wrong. Honestly, like, there are times where my gut has deceived me. There are times where my heart has deceived me. There, there are times when I've, when I've deceived myself because I, I, I just wasn't outside of it enough. You know what I mean? I, I was too in it to really see it. And, and I, I, I just believed so strongly that it would happen and then discovered that it didn't. And, and, and the devastating consequences of that were, were horrific. What God is trying to tell us is that, hey, don't live only by the advice that you like. Because this is what happens. He listens to Hushai, but Hushai, like, gave him the wrong advice. But it was the one that he liked more. So, you know what happens to a fifth fidd- of Phil? He goes home and he kills himself. I mean, they're sticking things hard. And then... I <laughs> don't want to make fun of suit. I just did, but I'm sorry about that. But it, he took it so badly that his advice wasn't taken that he's like, this was my only chance. It was my only chance to get this right, and I got it wrong. And, and I, I honestly... It the Scripture doesn't say why he took his own life, but I believe two things happened here. One is that he realized that Absalom was going to fail. But two, he realized that he also failed. And there was no coming back from that because he had gone against the king. Does that make sense? So he took his own life fearing that David would take his. And, and this is what happens when we, we don't follow the advice that, that God wants us to take. Listen, I, we only get wiser when we spend more time with those who are wise because of God's wisdom. And the more wisdom we acquire from God, the wiser we become. When someone is speaking, we can then start to see the contradictions. You know, we always talk about red flags, especially in dating. You guys, right? That's a red flag, that's a red flag, right? Everything's a red flag these days. There are no green flags anywhere for anybody. They're just all red. Have you noticed that? It's like, I don't know who, no wonder everybody's still single. It's like you can't. How, how can you possibly, you know, find the right person when you're seeing red flags all the time? You're not even giving a person a chance. You're not even giving them an opportunity. You're not even letting feelings grow. You're just automatically discarding them. Why am I talking about this so strongly now? I don't know, but I feel like there's always a dating advice thing that I can do every Sunday. Does everybody agree? I, I think so. Even if it's kind of off-topic, it's always on-topic, you know? (laughs) So here's what happens in this story. This story is about how things can so go in a manner that goes opposite of the wisdom that God has to offer us. And so don't just listen to anybody's advice. Listen to God's. Here's the fourth thing. Things happen because I make them happen. Now, the thing about Absalom is in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 1 to 6, it says that after this, Absalom bought a chariot and horses, and he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. And then he got up early every morning, and he went out of the gate of the city, and when people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask them, hey, where in Israel are you from? And they would tell him, Their tribe and then Absalom would say oh you've got a really strong case here it's too bad that the king doesn't have anyone to hear it Um, i wish i were the judge then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment and i would give them justice and then people tried to bow before him but Absalom wouldn't let them instead he would take them by the hand and he would kiss them stand up and he would hug them and kiss them as an equal and the Bible says that Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. And so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. Now, I, we need to put up verse one again because I love this one. He bought a chariot and he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. Just like the president does. He had, the, the first... The first Secret police right here. That's what he did. Listen, there's no one who looks more important than someone who goes anywhere with 50 people ahead of him. You ever wonder why people travel with entourages? Because the more you have people around you, the more important you look. The first person to do this BS was Absalom. And we're seeing this all the time now. Because, because you can believe your own hype. You understand what's going on here? You want to be king, you can be king. All you need is a chariot and 50 people to run ahead of you. Maybe not a chariot, maybe an escalate, I guess. <laughs> but you get it, right? You want to you build a reputation? You can, go ahead. Build your following, do it, amazing. But guess what? None of it means anything. Because in the story, he says, this is not going to happen on its own. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it happen. I'm not going to wait to be king. I am going to crown myself king before I am king. And every person that comes to me, I'm going to tell them that I'm a king. I'm going to live like a king. I am going to walk around like a king. Actually, other people will walk around, and I'll just ride in my chariot. But I'll make sure that everybody sees me as a king. Because anybody who asks, when they say, who's the king in Israel, they're not going to say David. They're going to say Absalom. I mean, he's not king, but man, he should be king. Because when I tried to kneel in front of him and kiss his hand, he just pulled me right up and he kissed me on my cheeks instead. See, he built his own reputation. He took his own opportunity. He created his own outcome. Guys, we think that the world is always made by those who take it by force. But that's one form of success. But it's the one that ends like Absalom's life. And God is saying, that's not what I want for you. That's not how I want you to live. Things don't just happen because you make them happen. Things happen because I'm with you, God is saying. Because I put my favor on your life. I didn't just give you grace, I gave you favor. I didn't just give you this, which doesn't look like a lot, but if you give it back to me, I can multiply it. And I can do so much more with everything that you have. That something can become something more, and it can be a blessing, not only to you, but to those around you, but you've got to trust me for it. Are you ready to do that? To trust the Lord like never before? and not live according to the tactics that other people have lived by and the things that even someone like Absalom has done. We're going to wrap things up with the fifth one, and it's here. It's that more is always more, end of story. And I feel like we're in this season where we can just have it all, and when we don't, it's really hard for us. More is never a bad thing, we think. It's like, do we just want more of the same or more of, of something else? But more is always more. Why would we think of more as being less? Well, here's the thing. In 2 Samuel, the Bible tells us that, we, that Absalom had a lot of hair. Remember the story? That when, they, when he cut it for the first time, that they would actually weigh it? And he would do this once a year? Well, the Bible tells us that his hair finally gets him into trouble, that vanity... And him believing his own hype, look what happens. That during the battle in 2 Samuel, in chapter 18, verses 9 and 10, that Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men, and he tried to escape on his mule. But as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in the tree. And his mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. And one of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, I saw Absalom dangling from a great tree. And he said, what did you do? He's like, nothing, I came to tell you about it. (laughs) He's like, what? You could have been recognized as the greatest warrior in the history of Israel. Why did you come back and tell me? He He goes, I don't care what you could have given me in terms of gold or silver or accolades. There's nothing in this world that would let me raise my hand against the king's son. So even though Absalom is just super vulnerable in this moment, no one's doing anything about it except Joab. The Bible says that Joab goes up to Absalom, and he says, this is where it ends for you. And he stabs him with a small dagger in his heart. And he kills him right there. But don't feel bad for Absalom, because Absalom thought about his future even before this moment. And it says here in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 18, that during his lifetime, while Absalom was still alive, he built a monument to himself. All right, Absalom. He built a monument to himself in the King's Valley. For he said, I have no son to carry on my name, so I want everyone to know that I was a great king. He wasn't even king. And guess what happens? The monument becomes a mockery. And every time someone sees the statue of Absalom, all they see is the folly, the five things that he did that made him Israel's greatest lost opportunity of what a life well-lived could have been. Instead of averting every tragedy, he walked right into each one. And God is saying, hey, I don't want that for you. Can we learn from Absalom today and not walk in those footsteps? I want to conclude with this verse in Proverbs 25, 28. It says that a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. God is just saying, like, I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be your life. I don't want that to be your legacy. No matter what your monuments look like, the ones you've built to yourself, listen, they're just going to be mockeries of the life it could have been and it should have been and what would have been if you had just stayed faithful to me. Can we turn our attention to God instead of the patterns of wisdom in this world and turn to the wisdom of God instead? Learn from this story, apply these principles, and let's avert the great tragedies so that we can experience His great blessings instead. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I really appreciate you. I know that was a super long message. I went double time. Well, not quite, but just about. But, you know, sometimes you're going to have to let me do this like, once every quarter. <laughs> just like, let me go. Just let me go. That's what me going looked like. 48 minutes. Yikes. Sorry about that but I hope it was still a blessing. Was it okay? It was okay? Okay. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life/give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.